Welcome back to Open Your Door. Before we begin, let's take a moment to pray. Dear Father, I pray that you are with us. I pray your presence is felt. I pray you speak for me and that you open up the hearts and the minds of everybody listening. Glory be your name. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about the joys and the temptation. How wonderful it is to be tempted. It doesn't sound normal to be happy about it, but the Bible tells us to be rejoiced in the matter. If we turn to the book of James, chapter 1, we're going to read through the first four verses. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials or temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What has Jesus done for you, and what does he continually do for us individually? Many people stop at the asking for help part. Many stop at the initial, can you please help me? They don't move forward. They don't change their patterns. They don't change the direction of the life. They continue to rely on their self. And they rely on what they have been doing this entire time that's led them down this current path. Jesus himself said in John chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, I am the vine, you are my branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So, does a branch survive on its own without its vine? No. It does not without its life source. It will wither and dry up. When we ask for help during our trials or temptations, we cannot then simply think that we can continue with what we are just doing or what we have been continually doing. For an example, I am an alcoholic. I have not taken a drink in years, and I praise God for that victory. I understood that going to the bars every night and praying for his help to overcome wasn't going to work. Yes, he wanted to help me, as he wants to help everyone, but I was not allowing him to help. I had faith that he could, but like Peter walking on water, I took my eyes off of him and would start to sink. It was not until I realized while I was asking for help and victory, I should not go to the bars. I should avoid them. I should break that cycle. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The plan that he has for us is a future and of a hope. How will I find that in the bar? I couldn't. So let's remove me and my bar and place yourself in something that you're struggling with, that you continually ask for help. Are you fully committing to trying to stop? He only wants what's best for us. But if we do not want the same thing, how can he help the unwilling? Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16, Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that which for Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, 
let us as many as are mature have this mind if anything you think otherwise god will reveal this to you nevertheless to the degree that we've already attained let us walk by the same rule let us be of the same mind this completely defines the spiritual growth not that i've already attained or or am already perfected but i press on you keep moving you keep going you move past the things behind you your former life your, and you move forward i press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus through faith in christ you make the move forward you press on never stopping you need to dive in with both feet not just one waiting for the other shoe to drop back to the book of james chapter 1 verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask of god who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him if you're not sure which temptation you need to be working on if you don't feel convicted if you are sure what you are doing then ask him you are to count it for joy for temptation because you are being tested by being tested you are becoming stronger ask for wisdom to complete the task at hand it says previously count it for joy in the temptation not count it for joy in the sin it says ask god for wisdom not you are wise enough to understand it goes on in verse six and seven but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord he is a double-minded unstable in all his ways this comes back to diving in with both feet don't doubt that he's got you don't doubt his promise in Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when you need help ask him ask for wisdom pertaining to it and trust him completely his plans for us are good his intentions are pure the problem is most ask for help but they don't follow through with the surrender portion they believe they are wise enough to handle it so they ask half-heartedly never fully committing the Bible just called it being double-minded or unstable it goes on says you'll be tossed around like a wave in the sea without being grounded in your faith with Christ are you following imagine two paths imagine Christ standing next to you at the start he is telling you together that you are going to take a path and he will lead you down the path and that he will be with you every step of the way for your safety Christ then starts to talk to you about the future and how you will need to be with him and he will need to be with you and that they're at by this point you've walked away because you saw something that was bright and shiny as you're heading out into it you notice how dark it became and you get lost now you're sitting in the dark afraid and alone but you hear Christ calling your name as he's running to you you cry for help but you're afraid to move because it's dark and scary it's not until you see Jesus that you start to run towards him you rush into his arms and hold on for dear life crying and sobbing he guides you back to the path and you start walking he reminded you to stay with him as you two get back on the path Jesus goes back to the explaining your future and how you will need him to be there again as he starts talking to you and you're starting to walk he gets to that point where he looks around and you're gone he's looking for you high and low but you saw another shiny object
another distraction. This time you ran to it though, and you tripped, and you fell in the dark, and now you're hurt. You're scared and alone. Jesus is shouting your name as he is looking for you, but you can't hear him. You ventured down a path for so long that your heart has become hardened. He isn't giving up hope. He is still running after you. Eventually you hear him. Your heart is all a flutter, and you jump up and yell, Here I am, Lord, here I am. He rushes over again, and you two hug. He fixes you up, and he carries you out of the darkness into the light. You feel safe, joyous, and happy. As you're walking down the path again, you see another distraction. But this time, this time is different. You remember last time what happened when you went off path. You remember the wretched feeling, the scared feeling, the emptiness. So you look over to Jesus and you smile, and you reach out your hand to clasp his. You feel complete with him. You finally hear what he has been trying to tell you. You will need him to be there at every step of the way, to keep you out of darkness and to keep you safe and in the light. This is our life. This is our journey. Back to James chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, life, which is the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So count it for joy in the temptation, and then blessed is the man who endures, and his reward is a crown of life, which the Lord has promised. Let that sink in. When you endure, or you go through a temptation, or withstand the temptation, you are blessed and will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised. It did not say sin. Blessed is that man who endured sin. The Lord promised a crown to those who love him. So if I count it for joy and pray for help and wisdom during my temptation, then as I withstand the temptation or endure it, I am choosing the Lord because I love him more than myself or my carnal desires. I hope you're tracking with me so far. We are then never to say that God tempts us because it says he doesn't tempt anyone. He allows us to go through these trials to work on our character development. He allows us to go through these trials to help us grow and press forward. James 14 and 15 now. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. Each one of us is tempted. There isn't a soul alive on this planet that isn't. But we know from Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, which ties into this verse. Again, it says the joy, it says joy in temptation and blesses the man who endures. Here it says if you don't endure or you don't withstand, then it gives birth to sin and sin is death. It goes on in verse 16 through 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the sword of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is why we ask for wisdom. This is why we step out and put our faith in Jesus Christ. Do not be deceived. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from him. He gave us the sword of truth. We 
we are the first fruits. We must ask for wisdom and faithfully give it to the Lord. We must endure the temptation. Use the sword of truth to your advantage. Read your Bible. Learn it. For it is written. These are the words that the Lord used to fight Satan. In verses 21 and 22 in James. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It said be doers of the word, not just hearers. And lay aside all filthiness and wickedness. In John 15, 9 and 10, we read, As a father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. In other words, if you keep my commandments, you love me. So my question to everybody is, do we all not love Christ? Many Christians today follow only some of the commandments. They don't follow them all. Many say the law was done away with, that it doesn't matter. If it didn't matter, then why are we told to endure through temptations and lay aside all wickedness? Why would Christ say, if you keep my commandments, then you abide in my love? Any Christian knows that we are living in the Laodicean era. We know that in this age, many think they are just fine because it tells us so in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. Does this sound familiar? This is what we've been talking about. When you are tempted, you need to ask God for wisdom and help. You cannot do it alone. You cannot lean on yourself. You may think of yourself as rich in need of nothing, but in reality, you're wretched and blind, and you will be tossed as a wave in the sea. If you don't have faith and lean on Him and do your best to press forward for the upward goal, if you do not go through a refinement process so you can see how bad you are off, then you will be lost. You won't have on those white garments. You won't be abiding in his love. The next verse in Revelation chapter 3 is verse 19. It says, therefore be zealous and repent. Repent. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. To have true sorrow is true repentance. True sorrow means not one wanting to do something wrong again, but why? Because you love Jesus. You understand that if you love him, you want to follow him, you will follow him. You will be a doer of the word, not just a follower. Actions speak loudly. How loud are your actions speaking? Revelation 3 verse 21 tells us, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. To him who overcomes temptation and overcomes sin, blessed is the man who endures the temptation. Of Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory forever. Amen. Again, blessed are you when you endure or withstand temptation. He wants to deliver us, deliver you from all evil. But again, how can he help the unwilling? We need to wake up. We need to hear the message from Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Our Savior stands in the Holy of Holies, now appearing in the presence of God for us. He presents his people moment by moment, complete in himself. This doesn't mean that we should become careless, indifferent, self-indulgent. We shouldn't slack off during this war. We are examples not just to people around us, but to the other heavenly bodies that are watching this saga play out between God and Satan. Watching God's government of love versus Satan's government of selfishness play out. Christ is not the minister of sin. We are living in the Laodicean age, the time of judgment. We no longer live in the Sardis or Philadelphian time periods. The Protestant movement was meant to cultivate his vineyard, which is found in Isaiah chapter 5, 1 through 7. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in the midst and also made a winepress in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done to my vineyard than I have not already done for it? Why then, when I expected to bring forth grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please let me tell you what I'll do to my vineyard. I will take away its edge and it shall be burned. It shall break down its walls and shall be trampled on. I will lay it to waste. It shall not be pruned or dug and there shall come forth briars and thorns. I also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold oppression. For righteousness, but behold I cry for help. We know that we are spiritual Israel. The message to the Protestants was to be keepers of the vineyard and to cultivate it. But they didn't fulfill Jesus' purpose. The Lord declared in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21, Yet I have planted you a noble vine, a seed of the highest quality. How then have you turned before me into a degenerate plant of an alien vine? We know that the Millerite movement was the Philadelphian church. It was the only true church at that time period. William Miller himself even quoted as mentioning, We are moving into the Laodicean age. We're told in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We are to light bearers. We are part of his vineyard. We are to bear fruit. John 15, verse 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. We're told in Revelation 14, 7. Fear God, give him glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. Jesus is in the most holy place. 
This is where the judgment is happening. Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Then it looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And it heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of a loud thunder. And it heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang it as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from earth. These are the ones who are not defiled with the woman, for they are virgins. These are the ones who are follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were returned from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they were without fault before the throne of God. In Isaiah chapter 1 verse 27, Zion shall be redeemed with justice, and her penitents, or returners, with righteousness. Zion shall be redeemed with justice. And we read in Isaiah 4, verse 2 and 3, And that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. So who is left in Zion? It's the ones who are redeemed with justice and righteousness. The 144,000 is a standing with the Lamb on Mount Zion. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim and praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The works of Sardis and Philadelphia was meant to prepare the people to work the vineyard for the harvest. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 33, here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dresser and went to a far country. Like the parable, the vine dresser or the fifth and sixth church were meant to take care of the vineyard prepared for harvest, but they did not fulfill the wishes of God. The parable goes on by describing how the vine dresser denied and cut down the owner's son and servants. These churches did not prepare the people for the understanding of the harvest. When we moved into Laodicea time period, people went back to the old beliefs, the same ways of thinking or the traditions of men. They didn't progress. They didn't grow. What's your purpose? What's your goal? Are you aiming for resurrection or translation? How high are you aiming? Let me explain. I was taught by my parents, as many of you here have been taught to set your bar high, to have high goals. We've been taught from our youth groups, from our schools, our coaches, our bosses. You need to aim high. If you're only aiming at resurrection or you're only aiming to do just enough to get by, you'll be in danger of letting down our creator, in danger of missing out on eternity with him, our Heavenly Father, whom we're supposed to love with our whole heart. If you choose translation, if you choose to live a life of love and of servitude, mathematically, you're going to have a higher chance of attaining one or the other, right? It's out of love for our Father that we want to be the best that we can be. His plans for us, His plans is of hope and of peace. 
He literally has given everything to us. He has done everything possible to reach us, to save us. This great controversy between good and bad, God and Satan is playing out for your heart. He wants in. He wants to mold and shape you. He wants you to choose him like he chose you. He wants you to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. He wants you to withstand or endure the temptation. He knows that it will not only grow your faith, but it is a part of the refinement process to help you grow. This message of perfection is a scary one. It's a hard one. It seems like a daunting task. But are we not instructed to walk in the light? In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we are not walking in the light, how can we be cleansed? It says if, but if we walk, if implies choice. It's a free choice of what you do. So again, how high are you aiming? We are to grow our faith in Christ, pick up our cross and follow. 1 John 2, 6, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. When I was younger, there was a movement what would Jesus do? This still holds up to this day. We must walk just as he walked. As we read earlier from Paul, aiming for the upward goal, not that I have already attained perfection yet, but I am reaching. Retracing real quick. We count it for joy in our temptations so that it will help us grow our faith and refine our character. Ask for wisdom and he will help you identify the sin and give it to him to strengthen, to help strengthen you to overcome it. Do not just be a hearer, but be a doer and pick up your cross and walk as he walked. Understand that we are always moving forward. Grow in Christ. Daily give our hearts to him to mold us, to shape us. Understand that he is at the door knocking, asking us to allow him in. Understand that sin separates and the wages of sin is death. That yes, all have sinned and that all of us are tempted. But by his grace, we have been given victory if we choose victory. It is up to each one of us to choose and follow him. We no longer live in a time period of the fifth and the sixth church. We're living in the seventh church timeline. We're living in the time of the three angels message where the vineyard is meant to grow good fruit, but it's growing wild. This concept of 144,000 strikes fear and anxiety. The idea or thought that only 144,000 souls will leave this world alive or translated means there's going to be a large number of souls put to rest. But this is told to us in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2 through 6. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. You may not believe that the number is literal. I personally believe it is. 
But what matters is that you are following Christ with your entire heart, fully giving yourself to him daily, never ceasing in prayer. Living a life out of love for the Creator, understanding that our pure, true love for Christ, you begin to change without even realizing that you're changing. You begin to hate the things that you didn't hate before, and you begin to enjoy the things that you didn't enjoy before. The second verse of that was, I for I have not found your works perfect before God. This implies that perfection is attainable, or sin can be overcome, as it's mentioned in the message to the Laodicea in Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes. Those who are laid to rest and hold fast and repent will have their names in the book of life. This gives more of the meaning to Paul when he wrote in Romans 14.8, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. The task is an arduous one. But we are given an encouragement in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. You therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We are to work on our characters. We are to grow and continue in the light. This world is a bus stop. We are not meant to live here. We are not to make make this our home we are all in danger of missing a bus when it comes by because we've made this place that we cannot live without it the bible tells us in romans chapter 12 verse 2 and be and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that the will of god is that which is good and acceptable and perfect or james chapter 1 verse 27 pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. Many people say that's what a thousand years is for at the end of time. That's where we work on our characters. Brothers and sisters, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 11 and 12, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. When Christ comes back, there will not be a time for the pruning or the purification. Your reward is already what you have chosen it to be. And back over in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. We are living in the judgment period. In verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. The word in Greek here is crisis, crisis, the act of judging contrasted with the Greek word krema, the sentence of judgment, which you can find in Revelation 17:1. Then one of the seven angels who has seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. I hope you see the difference in these two verses. One is the act and one is the sentencing. Second Timothy 4.1 tells us, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judged to the living and the dead, 
and by his appearing and his kingdom. Brothers and sisters, this summons has gone out to all the living and all that have lived. We started with the book of James. James 1. James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. To the twelve tribes, this place true to this day, from overcoming temptation and being joyful in the process, to leaning and asking, seeking Christ for help in everything that we do, that when we don't endure the temptation, it leads to sin, and sin leads to death. But when we do endure, we will be given the crown of life. Twelve tribes. Revelation chapter 7, verse 4 through 8. And I heard a number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel, which were sealed. The tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of God, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Simon, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Iskar, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. And the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. You may not believe in the 144,000 as a literal number, but I pray that you believe in the principle of it. I pray that you understand that out of true love that you will follow, that you will get a conviction that I pray that you will be able to wake up and catch fire and then share the love of Christ with all. That what I'm saying isn't limiting or shrinking our Christian walk. That we aren't to live with blinders on, afraid of any temptations. But it's joyous that because I love him so much, I now truly want to follow him with my whole heart, my whole soul. I truly want to learn to be better. That I want to share with everyone around me his awesomeness that because I love him so much more I understand when he said to love God with all my strength spirit soul and heart and to love your neighbor that it actually makes sense that with each day I grow closer to him that each day I long to be with him and then with every fiber of my being I want each and every single solitary one of you to be with me running after him will you reach out and clasp his hand Will you set your bar high? Will you be part of the 144,000 standing on Zion, choosing God over Satan, choosing paradise over this world? Which path will you choose? The one in darkness where you're alone or the one shining bright with his presence? With God, you are victorious. You're unstoppable, unshakable. With God, you are loved and cherished. Brothers and sisters, God bless.